I'm Patricia Pierce. Welcome to the We Awakening podcast. Beneath the global crises we are facing, something truly extraordinary is happening on Earth. Planetary consciousness is shifting as humankind sheds its belief in separateness and awakens to the truth of interexistence. In this podcast, we explore this awakening into unitive consciousness that will give rise to a new world, and we celebrate the luminous web that connects us all. Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to this week's podcast episode. My guest today is Joanne Palladino. Before 2000, Joanne was a high-profile healthcare administrator until her own health began to mysteriously decline, and her search to recapture her own health led her to discover a holistic, energetic approach to self-healing. Since the 1990s, Joanne has experienced a number of awakenings. Her body's vibration was rewired to prepare her to connect with and bring through the refined vibration of light language, stripping away karmic memories, experiencing past lives, releasing dense energy and facing fears that debilitated her, was in essence a dying process of the old way of existing to being rebirthed as a way-shower for others. So Joanne, thank you for joining me today. And I've very much been looking forward to our conversation because I know what, <laughs> what an amazing and extraordinary journey you've had. And First of all, I have a question for you. Did you have any sort of religious or spiritual orientation in your upbringing? Yeah. Um, so it's good to be with you, first of all. It's nice to see you and be with you. So, you know, early on in life, uh, we we did have uh, Catholicism. We were Catholics, Italian Catholics from Brooklyn. But I can't say we were devout and I remember, I don't really remember much early on in years, but more as, you know, 10, 11, 12, you know, going to church regularly, but it wasn't necessarily, I don't know, a, a main focus for the family, but we did all the sacraments and went to church on all the holidays and every Sunday. And, and then I probably left when I was 16, I remember standing in the back of the church and just standing there with my arms folded and just going, Oh, I just can't, I just can't be here anymore. I didn't relate at all. However, um, as I got older, my parents definitely got more involved um, in the church in as far as, you know, volunteering and Knights of Columbus and there's an organization with the women I don't remember the name of it. My mother started um, the luncheon, the senior luncheon uh, at the church and just ended actually. So it, it lasted for, for quite a few years. And what really shifted in the family was my father uh, became ill when he was young. I consider young, like in his early fifties and he had a heart attack and had bypass surgery and things like that. And from that, what emerged was him becoming a deacon. Mm. So there was um, a shift in the deep, I, I guess, devotion uh, to the church and to God's work. And that's, that's actually, you know, it always, 
gets me when I say those words to do God's work, because at my father's uh, wake, his buddy, and he was a brother, Brother Carmine, they used to travel around and, and give communion, you know, to homebound people. And, and my parents were even in the, the prison, my father, especially, he went into the prison to do his, his work. But um, Brother Carmine shared with me, he says, I'll never forget, they always cry. Your father always told me, when I do God's work, I feel no pain. Oh, wow. And my father was in pain his whole life. Oh, my. A lot of, of physical. I mean, I, I, he had every disease you can imagine. Oh, boy. And surgeries and botched surgeries and mental abuse and on and on. Oh. And when I heard that, it, it just, it took, as you see and hear, yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, it hits my soul. Uh, clearly, yes. Right? When you do God's yeah. work, you feel no pain. Wow, that's so beautiful. What a legacy to have left also. Really, really quite beautiful. And um, to add some humor when, you know, when someone chooses to take the path of a deacon, they, and there's a wife involved, you need a hundred percent plus for your, and your wife's support, you know, mm -hmm. to have your wife and family and, uh, and my mother was right there by his side uh, in a lot of support. And we always, he was a deacon and she was the deaconess. So, um, so later on in years, the um, involvement in the church for my parents, especially um, grew, you know, quite deep and I admired them for it. You know, not that I went back to the church in any way, um, but uh, admired their their work and devotion uh, to the church and to the, to the community, you know, it's yeah. beautiful. It's really beautiful. So as they were deepening their involvement, you were pulling away. <laughs> yes. and, right. I, I mean, you, you respected their, their oh, commitment. Yeah. But yeah. it wasn't for you. You sensed it wasn't for you. I, um, I didn't feel any connection uh -huh. there. Um, uh -huh. I, I, you know, love the, the priests and the nuns because they used to spend holidays with us all the time. You know, they were part of the family, but never drawn to that would be my path. Mm -hmm. And for many, many years up until fairly, I'm going to say fairly recently, but it's, you know, could be 15 years now that just the word Jesus or God, like I, I you know, I'm just like, yeah, no. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't want to go there. And I didn't fall into the belief system. And I felt I was always judged uh -huh. <laughs> you know, or afraid. I think it was more fear. I think I felt fearful, you know, I'm being watched or judged or I'm doing it wrong. And, you know, though I went first told, you know, I had first Holy communion and received confirmation. I was just, it was just moving in the motions. I was never sort of the angelic folding the hands and making sure the thumbs are folded. Yeah. Just, so right? you were doing it because it was expected of you. It was. Yeah. It was just, yeah. It's what yeah. you do. Yeah. So you pursued a very secular career in your, as you reached adulthood and 
just share with us some of your journey about how, and I know we could spend the whole time on, on you describing your journey because it sounds like it's been quite extraordinary, but what are some of the pivotal things that got you from where you were and say a bit about where you were in corporate, corporate life yeah. to where you yeah. are now uh, yeah. doing, doing the kind of healing work that you're doing? So most of my adult life, and it really shifted probably early to mid forties, but up until that point, I wasn't connected to spirituality, any kind of religion, uh, metaphysics or anything like that. It was primarily the focus was to climb the corporate ladder, you know, and uh, sort of back in the psyche was um, to prove worth. (laughs) That was the reason for climbing the ladder. No, like to prove worth and and getting the atta girl, you know, from my parents because I never felt the good enough or smart enough or, you know, I was always sort of in the background. Um, And that I don't think was in the forefront of my consciousness, but there was always this, underlying message of like, Hey, Hey, I, I got another promotion, you know? And they were like, Oh, that's nice. (laughs) So I always had these expectations. Um, and you know, it didn't fulfill my expectations. So it was another like, Oh gosh, you know, another failure, but, um, to be proud because I, I have an associate's degree, not that I, I have, you know, lots of initials after my name. And in spite of that, I did quite well in the corporate ladder. You know, I I worked for um, a national healthcare um, company and I was the director of sales uh, uh, administration and marketing uh, for the Northeast. So, you know, I was proud of what I did, but in the midst of that, I was um, still questioning myself very um, self-conscious, always questioned, why am I around the table with doctors and PhDs and people with all these degrees, you know, always questioned that aspect of my position. And there was a lot of fear and anxiety riddled in all of it in the midst of me being able to climb the corporate ladder. So, so the universe in the late nineties, 97, um, pulled the rug from out under me. And that's, that triggered or was a tipping point for my awakening. And pretty much um, it stopped me in my tracks. I, I, became, I couldn't eat, sleep, um, think, move. Uh, you know, I call it a whole psyche breakdown uh, or in a way, when I look back at it, sort of like a breaking apart from my old identity and what I was very connected to, identified with, this is who I am, uh, completely shattered to where I am today, to what I was to become, and that's not done yet either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that, I really look at it as a first awakening and so that was 97 at a work for a number of months, went back to corporate um, and I did it gradually part-time and full-time and what was happening. And this is when my soul kicked in and um, it was very clear that I could no longer be in that setting 
And there was various reasons for that. There was things showing up and I was like, oh my goodness, I, this isn't where I belong. And, and at that point in my life, I left the six figure job. I sold my house and left my second husband and really didn't know what I was going to do. So I have a question, Joanne, before you go any further, um, that this experience of the breakdown, as you speak of it, how did you experience that also as an awakening? What in that experience felt like, like you were also in the midst of breaking down, you were also awakening? So to just put a perspective, again, at this time, I was not into spirituality or, you know, or metaphysics or any of that. So I was starting to realize a different level of a felt quality that it just wasn't right for me. Like if I was drawn to something before, I just, the body told me no, you know, and not necessarily questioned it, but honored it. And and that started happening slowly. It started like to seep in a bit. I feel there was, there was trust in there, Mm. which Again, this is where I, I feel the intuitive aspect started to show itself because everybody was like, what are you going to do? And I'm like, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was absolutely fine with it. So there was this different level of okayness, not needing to prove, taking care of myself on a level that I never did before. Like I, I did put myself first in a way, not selfish, but the self-care, like I I learned a deep understanding of self-care and that it's not selfish (laughs) to do that. Um, So there was a lot of nurturing of the self. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just sort of being with it now and looking back, I really feel this trust was there that I didn't even know it was happening. You know, I feel a lot of this unfolded organically versus mindfully, like purposely doing that, (laughs) you know, only do this, but it, it just, it started to unfold in that way. And that's how it's been, I think through this, because there's been a number of awakenings that have happened through the years that every time I go through it, I literally crash and burn. It does a job on my body and it just puts me down. But every time I come out of it, come through it, like actually going through it, there's a higher deep of deeper realization or a higher level of consciousness and gifts, different gifts start coming through that, you know, the shift was for me to, to be a light worker. That's not what I had in mind or even knew what it was. (laughs) Yeah. So how did you open up then? So, so at this point, you're really following your own intuitive and inner guidance. And you, as you said, you, you weren't really focused at all on this, you know, spiritual dimension of life or metaphysical dimension. How did that part of it open up for you? Yeah. You know, what really was a tipping point for me was um, the practice of yoga. Uh And I went again, I, I worked in a very traditional medical setting and my healing path directed me to a holistic practitioner. His name was Dr. Jack. He was 80 something years old. I called him my Zen master who really introduced me to 
chiropractic care, you know, I was like, what's that, you know, or eating completely different organic foods. Cause I continued up until that point going through, you know, Burger King. That's, that's how I ate. So he was an influence on introducing me to the holistic realm, if you will. And I told him at one point, I said, I need to start moving my body. And he's like, he goes, I think yoga would be really good for you. So I started practicing Krupalu uh, yoga and um, I became like a level of devotion to it where it was like a daily practice. And I experienced a heart opening. Like I walked around, I felt like I had the sun in my chest and I was just like, whoa, like what's going on here? You know? So that again, raised my consciousness and yoga really introduced me to spirituality. And then from there, things started opening up. I started feeling energy coming out of my hands. And I'm like, what is that all about? You know, so I was like on, on an elementary level when this was all happening, it was like, wow, what's this, you know, with fear in there, because I'm like, is something again, is something wrong? Mm-hmm. You know, am I sick again? That kind of thing. But it was, I feel a whole being of an energetic shift that that took place and that's when i started exploring um energy medicine and you know reiki and i i have been trained in in many modalities but i feel the work that's extended through me is just from the awakenings i've had and it's divine guidance you know even even though i use some of my tools it's that's not really my go-to it's just divinely guided so Along the way, you're experiencing these these events, awakenings. That it sounds as though Joanne, like your your body has been an impetus for you in opening up. Is that it's almost forced forced it upon you? Is that accurate? Yeah, and it still is. <laughs> yeah, and it still is. Um, it it does take a toll on the form. The the and- level of energy you mean. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And um, I feel the body is energetically shifting as well. So there's physical manifestations that are not comfortable and I guess keep me down a bit to be able to work uh, through them. And I mean, I'm again, I'm finding more and more here. It is how many years later from 97 that when it happens, it could last for long periods of time, that it's an opportunity for me to, to practice rather than resisting to trust and surrender, which continues to be my practice in, yeah. in all of this. And it's, it's a very helpful tool, um, especially what's going on on the planet. It's all yeah. going on within each of us and, you know, planetary. It's all humanity to, you know, I see it, the image, as I'm sharing this with you, the image I'm seeing is, um, is a lighthouse is to be that, that Mm -hmm. stillness, that pillar, the light that, you know, sees it all and sees beyond it, you know, and it's like becoming a master observer of, of my life 
and engaging from that aspect. So it's very heart centered versus head centered, you know, it's, and it's divinely guided, like being able to listen, to actually hear uh, the guidance from soul or, you know, divinity. So do you have the, the sense that, so you, you'll have one of these transition points or awakening moments where the body just like it, like the body just takes you down for a while as this upgrade is occurring. They're too, they're, they're interlocked. It seems mm-hmm. do you have a sense that, that with these energy, I don't even know the words to use, but these energy amplifications or whatever you want to call them, that then the body needs time to kind of catch up with that before the next phase can occur. Does it seem that way? Like the the physical, the physical body is being shifted and it just takes a while for it to catch up or what, how do you experience that? Well, I, I feel that's, uh, that's true. It took me a bit to actually um, understand and realize that Um, one of the gifts that came through when it was really uh, spontaneous, and this is probably 12 years or so ago is when I started speaking um, light language. And again, it just came through me. I thought I was a crazy person, you know? Um, and that took quite a toll on the body because the, the light language came through at any time, any place, anywhere, in front of any, I could be on the lawn, you know, in the grocery store. And I'm like, uh-oh, like I felt it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually took control of me. I didn't, again, I I didn't understand what was happening. And when it came through, it took such a toll on the form because it's a refined energy into a dense body for this body. Not this doesn't happen to everybody, but for me, it did. I, I couldn't move. I mean, literally drooling. (laughs) It was that, that level. And I kept asking, like, I'm not the only one that that's going through this. Like I knew I wasn't the only one, please help me find somebody that could guide me through it. And I, and I was, you know, someone, a teacher did show themselves and they taught me, you know, um, you're in control. And I I was like, I am, you know, with this energy, I am in control. So when I realized I was in control, and understood that I could say not now, or yes, this is the time, and how the energy came through me, because it actually came through, like with a direct hit, but, and now it's different. I mean, now we like, it's, it's a dance, you know, it's, it's not affecting me like it did then. So I had a better level of understanding of the energetic, again, for this body, when the light language came through. So the body as like answering the question um, with the, the solidity of the body does take this, you know, while to like, whoa, let me catch up to, you know, to the, you know, the uh, higher frequency of cells that are going on or DNA shifts or, you know, so boy, is that true for me, for sure. Yeah. So for people who may not have heard the term light language, tell us about that. Yeah. So I am with light language. I'm, you know, depending on who you ask, but for me, light language is the voice of God. That's how I, how I uh, have 
I feel it, not necessarily think that's what it is, but I feel that's what it is. And it, it is from higher dimensions. Of course, it is not from our 3D dimensional planet Earth, mm-hmm. but much higher level of consciousness and frequency. And uh, there's many, many, many people. I mean, like in the, in the Catholic religion, they call it speaking in tongues. You yeah, know, that's, you know, that's, and I was introduced to that, like, gosh, when I was a young, young adult, and I didn't know what was going on. So the light language that comes through me, and I, and I named it, it's called Shamaya, you know, putting a label on things. And I named it that, and it's not a that or an it or a person. It's, it's the voice of God is how I describe it. The, the, that's a word that kept coming through. I kept saying Shemaya. I didn't know again, what's that word, but come to find out that Shemaya is an ancient Aramaic word that's used in the gospels of Thomas and, and Yeshua's teachings and the Shem part of Shemai, the Shem means God-like vibration. And Maya means that God-like vibration is in everything, everyone, and in every word. And when I heard the meaning, and I was actually like saying a word, I just sobbed. You know, I sobbed. I feel my soul heard a truth in that. And that's when I said it's Shemaya. It's like, it's, we're Shemaya. We're all Shemaya, you know? So, so the light language is from the higher realm of the unknown. And at the same time, we're beginning to have this remembering that that's how, how we communicate through the sound and the vibration and the frequency of it. And it's not a language like we think of, like a lang- like, a, like English or French or right, right. Chinese. It's, as you're saying, of a different dimension. So it's... Yeah. It's sound, but it's not, it's not words that belong to any earthly language. Right. It's in, in the beginning, you know, my human uh, mind, my ego um, wanted to know what I was saying. W- what does this all mean? And to realize it was not about a level of understanding, but rather a deeper knowing to feel feel what was being transmitted because that's what I do. It's, I, I, it's like a trans, it's a transmission. Now, as time went on, I'm able to better interpret. I'll describe it as an interpretation, not a hundred percent of the time. And I'll know if it's a prayer, I'll know if it's having a conversation with you, if it's uh, coming through for a particular part of your body, if it's primarily for, you know, the collective or the person in front of me, sometimes I'll say, Mother, this is a message from Mother Mary. This is a message from the Arcturians, but it's, it's not this or that. <laughs> it's, it's like trying to point your finger at something that's constantly moving and has no form or, um, or words in our, in our language on the planet. So much of it is, you know, gee, Joanne, what does it do? People are, oh, what is, you know, what, you know, what dimensions it from? And I, my, is like, I, I don't know. But what I do know is I trust what's coming through based on what people are feeling and the shifts it's making in people. That's what I, that's what I know. You know, yeah. that's what I know. And I would, I would 
guess that you also know by how you yourself experience it when it's coming through you. Yeah. Now that it's a dance and not like this <laughs> thing crashing in on you, how do you experience this um, in your own being when this is coming through? Yeah. I mean, the beauty is that the my body and the level of um, the state of my being that I, I do also receive it. And some channels sort of check out, but I'm very present. So I'm very aware of when I'm transmitting, but I am in a level of consciousness or a zone, if you will, to just fully be present. And I don't know if there's any aspect of my humanness there as far as a personality or ego level, because it's, it's just coming through me. And if someone says, can you repeat that? Uh, no, <laughs> there's no repeat. Can you tell me what that meant? Uh, no, because there isn't any attachment, if you will, or context to what's yeah. you know, coming through. And it sounds like, you know, obviously this is not the terrain of the thinking mind Mm-mm. at all. And it, it goes, I mean, I'm guessing really into the heart. Do you experience it? It's coming from heart to heart, through heart to heart, or? It, it, it is, it is um, I, I would say a combination of compassion and wisdom. Uh-huh. So very, of course, heart-centered, you know, it is, it is coming from the, the level of, I'll use the word love, mm-hmm. but the love that, you know, like probably you can describe because you experience that level of oneness you know, when you're in your awakening, right? That one, that's what I'm speaking about, you know, that, that it's like this purity again, words, how do we put words to this? So that's why it's, it's so it's felt, it's a felt quality. And at the same time, so that's the, the feminine aspect of it. And then the wisdom, you know, it's such this true knowing of the wisdom. And we could look at that again, if we want to point words or uh, to help understand it better, looking at that as a sacred feminine, you know, or the masculine, excuse uh-huh. me. Yeah. So the compassion, the feminine, the wisdom, the masculine, and what a beautiful uh, marriage, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Like divine, divine mind, sacred heart, that kind yeah. of. Yeah. Divine, beautiful. Union. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So there, when it comes through, it's not like, oh, let me think about this or what does this person need? <laughs> it's because yeah. Yeah. I feel, I mean, it, it's here, the energy's here already and it's been here with us for, I don't know, a while now. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's felt like it's, it's felt that it's, um, it's present and it wasn't here when we first started, but it's, you know, like the calling in. You yeah. Know? Do you remember the very first time that you, you experienced yeah. this? You know, I don't, I don't. I, and I, I, I remember what the things I remember is, you know, two o'clock in the morning and the body starts jerking uncontrollable <laughs> and, you know, and, and bless my husband. I'll tell you, he, he is a witness and presence and love. He just holds me and, not physically, but holds my space and never got, 
gets freaked out by anything. He's just what a blessing. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I, I am truly blessed to have a partner uh, like that. But those are the, I, I, I don't remember when it first happened. And yeah, again, I thought I was a, you know, a cuckoo. I'm a crazy person. Here. Um, you remember I, that much. I, I do. And I remember how, the, again, how the body felt. And it, back then I remember, like, I knew it was coming, you know, like my body started like, like squirming. And I'm like, I always like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. You know, as you say that, Joan, I'm remember, remembering once when I was living in Tucson, Arizona, and I walked down the driveway to get to the mailbox and I could feel the hair like start to stand up. And I'm and I'm realizing, oh, lightning is going to be striking. Uh, and there was a lightning storm happening. I didn't get hit by lightning, but it's that kind of, oh, I feel this coming. My body is feeling yeah. this energy yeah. arriving. It's, it's like when you're watching the tsunami come, it's coming and it's like, there's no stopping it. I didn't know how to stop it. So yeah, many in the middle of the nights, yeah. <laughs> it, but I, I don't remember the first, the first time No. Yeah. So over the course of this, all of these experiences that you've had, what have you come to understand about, about love? I mean, we, you know, as you said before, it's hard to put words around this, but what have you come to understand? Shemaya will speak to that. Wonderful. Ika amane oishumaine to lubia tatakemala asunami ishime himena. Ipia patala lies to me tishtoma alika. O so me hinihai shuma anatakana olopia, see. Ihui humanahi lie to me a canadusima alidi tishtoma. Ipara I lie to be seria. O bama e come in to me. How do you put it into words? Yeah. There are no words. Yeah, I feel, I feel that communication just simply going directly, bypassing, you know, bypassing the intellect and just going directly to the core of my being the qual it's beautiful and the quality it's so pure and also i have because we're doing this on zoom i can also see how that is reflected in your face this compassion this extraordinary compassion so it's you know to answer that question i i there's no words it's yeah. it is it's felt yeah, absolutely. I just want to report that even now, like I'm feeling this, like, like it landed in my heart and now it's starting to, whoosh, it's like starting to expand. I'm just yeah. reporting on what I'm experiencing right now, like a seed planted. When, you know, when I usually guide people or provide them guidance of when they receive, not to be in the head of like, 
what's being said or what does this mean or how come this, you know, which is really um, resisting sort of these uh, veils of um, interference to fully receive, you know, the transmission. And, you know, again, years ago, when this all started, they said Shemaya is here to, to support the awakening on the planet. It's for the collective. Yeah. It's for the collective. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. I'm still feeling the energy of it. I just am. <laughs> yeah. Reporting you know, what I'm experiencing. It's profound. So along with love, what about forgiveness? Mm. I may need a tissue for that one too. <laughs> um, so forgiveness is um, near and dear to my heart. And I feel it's, it's part of my holographic uh, lesson on this, during this lifetime for my, my soul. Um, and I was introduced to forgiveness when I was introduced to the book, the channel book, The Way of Mastery, which is Yeshua's uh, lessons and teachings, similar to The Course in Miracles, different, but the same. And the first three lessons are sort of the, um, the foundational aspect as you go through the book. And I started it 15 years ago, and I'm still a student <laughs> of it, you know. So forgiveness is, is one of them. And I feel forgiveness is, is on the human egoic level in order for the soul to be more fully realized or integrated within yourself and raises one's consciousness. Because if we look at forgiveness from the true self, you know, sort of the higher aspect there, you, there isn't, you don't, there's nothing to forgive, right. <laughs> but in the human level, that's when um, the healing aspect begins to, to take hold and to be, you know, to be realized. So I feel, I mean, Yeshua was our teacher, you know, quite, quite graphic. Let's see if I can make a point. Let's see if I could, you know, if humanity will get this. Uh, we still have. We're getting there. But I always had a, I had a hard time with it in the beginning because I was like, well, how can I forgive that person? Look, you know, look what they did from, to me or what they're doing to other, what we do to each other, first of all, just on the human level, that I thought I was forgiving the act. But when there was a deeper understanding, and this is Yeshua's teaching you know, when I'm embodying that, it's where forgiving the level of consciousness that was in that person at that time that had the act of abuse of whatever it is to happen. They know not what they do, teaching, yeah. being nailed to the court. They know not what, so he wasn't like, it's, oh, it's okay to do this to me, but the forgiveness of the level of consciousness of where they were at because if they were at the heavy, higher level of consciousness, they wouldn't be doing that, right? Yeah. So when when I to to realize that intellectually and start embodying it, I got it. I'm like, I got this. 
And that's when forgiveness really started being impactful um, in my life and how I'm able to forgive myself because, gee, if I knew then what I know now, I wouldn't have done that. You know, that saying, that's sort of what it is. Like, oh, if I only, so forgiving oneself of, of how we may have hurt others and particularly ourselves of how we criticize ourselves and beat ourselves up. So it's, um, it, it has quite an impact. And the, uh, the human teacher for that for me was my father, his last, last year in life, actually. I knew he was dying. It, this was 2010, early in 2010, I got the message, he's not gonna be here long. And I said, okay, dad's, dad's gonna be leaving. And I knew it, but I didn't know when. So Father's Day of that year, they lived in New York. I lived in Denver. I went back. I said, I know this is his last time we're going to be together for Father's Day. So I, I purposely went back to New York. The first day I was there was beautiful. You know, my little girl was, you know, lovely. The second day was a different story. And um, his, his strong patriarch uh, was, was very present and his daughter, there was a tipping point that didn't want to hear it anymore. And my dark feminine went after his, his patriarch and we had quite a, quite a show. That was the second day I was there and we never spoke to each other again. Mm. That was it. Wow. And I was there for 10 days. He would look at me, talk to me, acknowledge me. And I, and I was living, I was like sleeping in, you know, in the house. And the day I left to come back to Denver, I remember looking at him and I knew, I'm like, this is it. Wouldn't acknowledge. So <clears throat> that was in June. Um, and I kept reaching out, wouldn't accept letters, phone calls, nothing. And then I guess it was uh, August, like dad's not going to be here long. And um I kept asking my God, should I go back home? No. I'm like, okay. And I kept asking and asking because I'm like, how can he die without us ever speaking to again, ever? And this is how he was with his parents, both parents. He didn't speak to them. I said, I have to break the lineage. That was my, like, I, what I needed to do. But the guides were like very loud, very clear. And I listened. And I never went back. So Papa passed and he passed when Coley and I were hosting a seven day retreat up in the mountains in Colorado. And we went there. Uh, I said, he's going to die when, when we're here. And sure enough, I think it was day four or five. I don't remember. Now this is, this is the cool thing out of like, Oh my God, this is terrible. This is the most beautiful thing that my soul ever experienced. And still to this day, Dark, five o'clock in the morning, the phone rings and the message is, this is Joanne, you know, Joanne's brother, have her call me right away. And I'm laying in bed going, that's it. He's gone. What happened was his soul visited me and everything was light. This, it's pitch black, five and one, but everything turned light. It was all light. Wherever I looked, it was light, 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 light. His soul and my soul danced. And I just watched and I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. So it was, again, putting words to it. 
I can't put words to it. And then he was leaving. I'm like, no. And I like we I pulled him back and we just danced. That was my my teaching about forgiveness. And when you behold that, everything else just falls away. It it's I have no regret that I didn't see him. It was this was all purposeful, I feel anyway, that this was a teaching to forgive my father for not seeing me, for not having the capacity, for me not going. And I didn't real, I didn't feel guilty. Like there was no guilt in my decision of not going back. I was very much at peace. But it was a gift. I I I was full of joy. I mean, your father dies and you and I never experienced joy like that in my life. It was beautiful. And that was my, you know, the sole teaching of, of forgiveness. Yeah. I mean, just for me, just to imagine what you're describing and seeing this joyous dance of these souls, everything else that happens on this human plane seems so irrelevant to that. And that he, in his human capacity, wasn't able to receive you. And that's just the way it was, but his soul yeah. and your soul were engaged in this beautiful relationship. It, it was, it was a miracle. It was really a miracle. Well, this might touch on something you had, you had mentioned this, this phrase earlier when we had spoken to see beyond what we can see. Mm. And how does that speak to you? What, what does it mean for us to see beyond what we can see? Yeah, this is where being the, the master observer of your life and the master observer of what's really going on with a particular person or human psyche or, you know, the behavior of how we treat each other. So it, it sort of makes, allows me to sort of step away and observe from a higher level of consciousness or a higher level of view where there is no longer duality, that it's right or wrong. And in order for someone to act horrifically at times to another human being, that person has to be in such pain and suffering, crying out. He's acting or she's acting as a perpetrator, but probably was victimized horrifically. I don't, I don't know. First hit me when the Boston Marathon attack happened. I don't know how many years ago that is. And friends, everybody freaking out. And I just, and I wasn't. And I'm like, there's something more powerful here than yes, people lost their lives. Yes. Not to have less compassion, but really stepping away to say, what, what's the greater lesson or teaching here for all of us? Kill the perpetrator and save the victim. And I'm like, well, that's not any different that kind of view and when what happened to Floyd was it two years ago and and I was like yes the compassion for Floyd and yes the compassion for the perpetrators because what kind of suffering have they gone through to do this to be in this like with no no heart no just blinded by rage so I so what we see here, feel, you know, what we're looking at, well, what's really going on underneath it all? And what you're describing is stepping out of that 
it's almost, you know, I think it's almost a knee jerk reaction to judge, to judge based on what we're seeing, which of course comes out of the dualistic, a dualistic consciousness. So what you're describing is transcending that dualism and understanding that, that even though we may see forces in the world seemingly opposing one another, that there's a larger, some larger context that is, that is beyond what we see. Yeah. 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 It, um, in this view, it really helps understand me better. Right. You know, it, all of this is, is, you know, I'm not separating myself from any of it because I'm, I'm in the soup too. Yeah. Have I been a victim and perpetrator to myself? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Am I still? Yes. Does it last long? No, I catch it right away. Uh, what are you, what are you doing? It comes from being the master observer. Absolutely. It's like you you catch it. Yep. Right. (laughs) Or what used to be, it doesn't even happen anymore when you start looking at at that. Um, It's how will we as a society actually shift and engage our lives differently? You know, the, is it Einstein? It's like, we can't, solve the problem with the same level of consciousness that created it kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, well, if we still, you know, beat the perpetrator and not look at anything like why, or he or she is acting this way. Right. Well, what's that going? How's that going to be different? How are we going to make this shift from this three dimensional way to, you know, to realizing our truth? (laughs) Right. And it's not easy. I'm not saying any of this. It's not easy. But it, it, it really starts with oneself. I mean, it, it, you know, if I haven't engaged in my unconscious ways <laughs> and, 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 in, and improving them and to view in a different way, I would be in the same, I'd look at the same, look at things at the same way. So I'm curious, before we wrap up, I'm curious to know, at right now in this moment, how do you sense your like? Are you are you going through yet another upgrade, or what's going on for you right now? I feel that there is a shift happening, um, and it's not new. It's it's been a while now, and what I'm finding <laughs> is my life is changing in a way that I've been becoming more at home being present just with myself. I don't need a lot of activity or engagement or needing to plan. So I'm, I'm feeling I'm becoming more at peace or at ease with solitude, not necessarily being a recluse because I'm engaged in, in various ways, but peace, quiet, stillness, is becoming a stronger foundation for me, I guess, is how I am feeling this and feel very at home, (laughs) very at home there, you know, and with what the planet's been going through for the past two years, it's like people can't, I can't wait. And I'm like, gosh, I, I don't miss any of it. So to me that I'm feeling a sense of a deeper level of inner peace, I guess we could describe it as. Yeah. So, and, and being more of a, a viewer 
of what is taking place within myself and, you know, within humanity, but not freaking out about it really like, you know, what, what can I do to, or how can I be probably is a better way of putting it to really support what's going on. And we all have different ways of doing that. Yeah. And my way is not to feed the angst or the protest or the, but um, extend blessings even to our dear, dear leaders, people that we call our leaders. Right. Because if, if we were in a state of, um, if we were all in the state of inner peace, like I'm experiencing, we wouldn't be doing this to each other. The world would look very different. It would look very different. And I continue to practice. I, there's no perfect going on here. Right. I continue to practice. It's, it, it's like, this is my life. It's not like, oh, my work life and my spiritual. No, it's like my life, you know. <laughs> yeah, just taking different expressions in different contexts. Yeah. Well, Joanne, this has been so great to talk to you. And people can find out more about you at your website, joannepalladino.com. And you work one-on-one with people and say more about that, the work that you do. Yeah. You know, the, I I call that we play together instead of working together. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) You know, let's play together. There's enough work going on. Uh, When I had, you know, when we had our sanctuary, I never called it my office. It was our sanctuary. Um, So I, I work with people and play with people holistically touching on mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual aspects. So the wholeness or holiness of the person is how I look at it. And they come with one thing, but it's not separate from something else. So there's, there's a holiness or a whole, whole approach to um, help them realize complete and unconditional love and self-acceptance. So I do this one-on-one and I also hold a group's now. Um, and I call them Shemaya gatherings that I've been doing for quite a few years. And now everything is, is on zoom and work with people, you know, on the phone too, if they wish. And, um, you know, I offer a complimentary call to hear what's going on with them and how I'm able to assist and guide, you know, I, I, I feel I'm here to support people to, um, to realize that inner peace within themselves and the light language in Shemaya is part of what you offer yeah it you know um Shemaya is always there Mm -hmm. Shemaya is always there and I and I the the sessions are are pretty or they're organic I don't it's not linear in any way that we're gonna do this this and this (laughs) in the session but what they're coming with or what their challenges might be or, or deepen their realization too, you know? So there's mindfulness practices um, that I incorporate divine guidance, intuitive, you know, it's really an intuitive reading. And then Shemaya is, is there for the transmissions and energy work. So there's a number of modalities that are woven into really support, you know, what they're, desiring or longing for. Well, I encourage people to check it out at your website. And thank you again, Joanne. This has been really beautiful to have this time with you and just a true gift. 
and I, you know, that Shamaya transmission is just keep working on me. I can feel it. Yeah. Beautiful to know. Well, you're quite a soul, my dear. Uh, and, um, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember how we found each other or I think I found you and here we are today. Um, but truly grateful. And um, I'm admirer of yours. You're, oh, you're remarkable. It's you're completely mutual. So many blessings be well and to our listeners um, yes, yes namaste great. yeah namaste beautiful thank you